Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 16th, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, P.S. Happily Ever After? I love a happy ending. The sappier, the better. I don't mind the turmoil and the drama in a novel or a movie as long as there's a good resolution in the end. But even more than a good ending, please, please don't leave me hanging. Don't leave the storyline open-ended. Don't give me options of possible endings that I could write for myself. Give me, give me happily ever after. I boycotted one of my favorite authors for years because in one of her books she was so typically captivating and then the ending stung. After living through the ups and downs of a child's tragic life and the subsequent roller coaster of emotions with her parents, one of Jody Picot's books ended in a way that led me to not read another of her books for years. I guess I got her told, didn't I? I'll not even offer a spoiler alert, but let me tell you, the ending was awful. I've never wanted to throw a book across the room like I did the day I got to the last page of this certain book. Yes, I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. I was looking for something a little brighter in the ending. Yes, her use of imagery and poetic genius was amazing, but I couldn't appreciate it because the ending was just all wrong. Tragic death came And the moment that the whole book was building towards collapsed, and then the end. It happens all the time. Remember the movie Steel Magnolias? Death can ruin a good movie or a good book every single time. And Law and Order Special Victims Unit is always leaving things ambiguous and unfinished and open for interpretation. No thanks. I like things wrapped up neatly with a nice bow on top, thank you, and preferably with all the characters happy. And so it should come as no surprise to you that I do not like Mark's original ending to his telling of the story of Jesus. The ending from last week. Today it's Easter, round two, or round three, if you were here several months ago when it really happened, and then it happened again last week, and it just keeps on happening. Makes me wonder, isn't that how it's supposed to be? Easter just keeps on happening. But if we, as we close out this telling from Mark's perspective, last week we had an empty tomb, a white-robed man giving instructions to go and tell others, and three frightened and silent women. But we had an empty tomb, and that's always a sign of Easter. This week is just more Easter, which is potentially what every Sunday should be, more Easter. 
In last week's Easter, the women find the tomb empty. They are afraid. They tell no one, I don't like that version. What about breakfast on the beach with Jesus cooking it up, walking along with the guys on the road to Emmaus? That's better ending. Mark's original ending is too abrupt, too unfinished, too uncertain, too incomplete. Did death, empty tomb death, have the final word or not? Who knows if you're ending with last week's ending. I'm left hanging with that original ending, and I don't like it as much as the way the other gospel writers end their story. And clearly, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Mark is the oldest telling, the most ancient of manuscripts among the gospel writers. He's more concise and to the point, and he ends this telling in a way that almost looks like he was interrupted in mid-sentence and never got back to it to give it its good and proper ending. Clearly, this gave some people pause. The women can't just go mute on this thing. As Thomas Long said, that's no way to run a resurrection. Some better conclusion needed to be added, and so someone or some ones went for a postscript. P.S. And Jesus lived happily ever after. Oh, that's so much better. Now, I'm not going to lie. The snake handling part's not a good ending. And if I'd been trying to fix Mark's dangling story, I'd have left the snakes out, but I digress. I'll never forget sitting in a small conference room in the Big Sky, Big Sky Montana Community Center, listening to a wonderful sermon by a pastor of the little congregation known as Big Sky Christian Fellowship. Gent Kofer was a loving, caring, intelligent pastor of a very small congregation Russ and I were serving as chaplains at the Big Sky Ski Resort. I know it's a tough job, but somebody had to do it. And for that ski season, Gent was our pastor, and we were grateful to find a place and a people that offered spiritual nurture for our young, ambitious, ministerial souls. Gent was preaching from this extended ending to Mark's gospel when he said that the oldest manuscript did not include these verses. He suggested, along with almost all scholars, that these verses that I just read this morning were an added feature that came much later and not from Mark's pen. And he noted that the King James Version makes no note of this. So if you go and look in your King James Version of the Bible, it's not going to say a word about this being added later but almost every other more modern translation will. Well, as Gent was talking about the significance of this and what it might mean for us today to have the more abrupt ending, a large Native American family that was sitting right on the front row got up and stormed out. Perhaps it was the questioning of the KJV that got them, Perhaps it was simply the suggestion that original manuscripts had been tinkered with, but whatever it was, it disrupted worship and clearly rattled Gent as he tried to finish out the sermon he had prepared. So I'm hoping no one storms out today. I'm thinking if you didn't storm out over the electric guitar, surely 
you're not going to storm out over this. I'm hoping no one storms out when I tell you that the text we have for today as we wrap up preaching through the Gospel of Mark is a P.S., a postscript that was tacked on by folks that couldn't handle a gospel story that was left unfinished. They needed a happily ever after ending. Oh, folks after my own heart. But as commentator Lamar Williamson noted, Mark's original ending is no end. Only the reader can bring closure. In one sense, he says, this unfinished story puts the ball in the reader's court. It puts us to work. We must decide how the story should come out. Always, Jesus goes before us. Always beckons us forward to a new appearance in the Galilee of the nation, in the Galilee of our daily lives. We never know where and when we shall see him. We only know we cannot escape him. He's going before you. There you will see him. If you are looking for closure, you better go to another gospel. Ched Myers, in his book, Binding the Strong Man, has worked hard in his commentary of Mark's gospel to give a verse-by-verse understanding of a big picture of the story of Jesus, particularly set in the political overtones of his day and of ours. He says, There have been from the earliest days of the church many who could not abide Mark's story of Jesus. There are, to be sure, many disturbing things about Mark's story. Its singularly unromantic portrait of the first apostles, its demanding raw edge. But above all, he says, what sticks in our throats, we find, what we find unacceptable is the fact that Mark does not leave us with a happy ending. Two attempts to append to the gospel, a more palatable ending occur in the manuscript tradition, the shorter version and the longer version. Both are attached in the end notes of most revised standard versions, and Ched Myers, who has gone verse by verse in the most difficult-to-read commentary I've read in a long time, says, I do not deem these verses worthy of exegesis. Well, lucky for me, I didn't have to do a lot of work then. Myers suggests that this ending is an attempt to rescue Mark. But he believes that the author means to leave us to wrestle with whether or not the women at the tomb, that's us folks in the story, the women at the tomb, did they overcome their fear in order to proclaim the new beginning in Galilee? He says that to provide a neat closure to the narrative would allow the reader to finally remain passive. The story would be self-contained in no need of a readerly response. The longer endings, he says, represent the work of those who cannot see the meaning of the original ending as an invitation to which to respond, but only as a scandal that must be properly resolved. Today we face this longer 
tacked on ending that seems to be pieced together from the accounts in the other gospels and in the acts of the apostles. It's an ending with a desire that matches my own. Tying things up with a nice bow on it and a good summary that even includes a challenge to all who would follow. Go into all the world and proclaim good news to the whole creation. Every preacher likes an ending like that. It's, and he lived happily ever after kind of stuff. So you'd think that I would just be in love with the added ending. But the truth is, I wish Mark had left it alone just as it ended last week. And I wish the other gospel writers had followed suit. I wish they had all, upon finding the empty tomb, I wish they had all just dropped their pen in mid-sentence, leaving us with the opportunity to write all of our own endings, to write our own P.S. We are all, each one, called to write our own gospel tellings from our own lives. And when we get to the part where we find the empty tomb in our lives, when we recognize that resurrection is constantly happening all around us and within us, how will you write your own postscript? I think that the key to the whole life of faith may be found in Mark's original ending. From emptiness to fear, the women are left speechless. And ever since that time, we have been left to finish the story. It's up to us how the resurrection story is told and lived. We get to keep writing it and rewriting it, telling it and retelling it from our very own perspective. I don't need some other random writer coming in and making this a happily ever after story. I don't need for Jesus to be rescued. I need for Jesus to be lived in and through my story. The other gospel writers let the women bear witness to the living Jesus. But Mark leaves it up to us. Are you bearing witness to new life? Are you living Easter every day? I get the chance to end this gospel story myself. And I can assure you there will be no snakes in my ending. I think my P.S. for Mark might go something like this. I found the tomb empty, and I was a bit afraid when he came up to me Friday at lunch as I was serving tea at the Urban Ministry Center. Most of the almost 400 folks that came through our line were friendly, nice, polite, and thankful for a cold drink of very sweet tea on a very hot day. 
But this man was boisterous as he carried a big garbage bag and another dirty duffel bag, both filled with all of his earthly possessions, I assume. He had on way too many clothes for such a hot day, I guess they could not be stuffed into his bag. His head was wrapped in some kind of crazy bandana thing, and he smelled bad. And he had his plate poised in just a few fingers, holding this duffel bag underneath, tilting just enough for the baked beans to drip onto the floor. He couldn't carry his tea with all of his stuff and his lunch, so I offered to bring the red solo cup of sweet southern nectar to his table. He asked, well, it was more like he demanded, two cups. I drink a lot, he said. I suggested that I bring him one and he could get a refill when needed. He looked at me like I had lost my mind, but he could see that I could hold my own. So I followed him, weaving through the maze of the poor and down and out, and put his drink in front of him. He reminded me, I drink a lot. I bet you do, is what I thought. I didn't say it, though. Sure enough, in only a few minutes of being back at my station of filling tea glasses, I heard him, hey, I need some more. I took that as my cue. I got the picture. I weaved my way back to his table. He was smiling that look of, I told you so. I filled his cup, and back to my station I went. Only a few more minutes passed of folks filing through the lines, thanking us for the tea and offering us a blessed day. When I heard him again, this time waving his cup in the air and looking over at me, Hey! He yelled, I need some more! I found it a bit aggravating this time, not quite as endearing. (laughs) But I summoned the best Jesus that lives in my heart. I rolled my eyes, I grabbed my tea pitcher and gritted my teeth and made my way back to the man. I might have said to the folks sitting around him, this guy thinks he's at the Golden Corral, which is the only place I've ever been a waiter. With that sentence, thank goodness, the table burst out laughing as they offered all their cups to be refilled this time. I had to go back and get another pitcher to take it back to refill everybody's cup. And the man laughed too. I found the tomb empty. I was a little bit afraid. But then I saw him Jesus, and he laughed. And you know what else he did? He thanked me. Now this is where I desperately want a happily ever after ending, but those are rarely real. I want to say that this man got the help he needed, a job, or maybe just some medication to level him out, or maybe into rehab, or maybe he just got a shower and some clean clothes and a suitcase with rollers. But what really happened was that the police officer who patrols the Urban Ministry Center came over shortly after his third glass of tea 
and kindly, gently ask him to leave. He was being too disruptive. There was no altercation between the police officer and the man, just a gentle yet firm invitation to leave. The man gathered up all of his dirty belongings, and he left. That's real life, which is so often not tied up in neat and pretty bows, but is left torn apart in the midst of a room full of food and the sweetest tea you've ever touched to your lips, with people in great need being tended by people who were there to help it was resurrection good news. Easter came again on Friday for me in 400 cups of sweet tea among the poor. And thus endeth my gospel story. For this week, Next week holds all kinds of possibilities for yet another ending to be tagged on. Another postscript gets to be added each and every time we are watching and waiting for Jesus to show up yet again in all the Galilees of our lives. The tomb is empty. The guy in the white robe says that Jesus is going ahead of us. Don't be afraid. Write your own gospel story and please give Mark his proper ending with your living. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.